Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, as always, it's great to see your smiling face. You as well, my friend. How are we doing today? Excellent and excited about the conversation that we got to have with Brian Miller. Um, cool stuff in the episode, you know, in terms of uh, risk, information, taking steps. It's all stuff that we talk about when we talk about what does it mean to live eyes up, right? It's seek opportunity, not, not problems. It's take some risks, get better, improve. And uh, he touches on a lot of that. But before we get into any more of what he talked about, let's talk about him. He's a composer, has a music business called Sensory Overload. Um, and he's worked with a ton of big name companies and movies and all kinds of stuff. So tell us a little bit about him. Yeah. Brian took that success in music and then stepped out into real estate investing in LA, which is a crazy real estate market financially. It's some big risk, I think. And he's partnered, uh, with, a with another guy to build a thing called capital stack investments. And, um, we get to talk to him about how those two kind of different lanes of life have come together to create success and how they really aren't different. Right. And in a lot of ways we think, and he, he talked about this right after we closed with him is like, it's all connected. This thing, life, these risks that we take, these challenges that we endure, we learn from one area like composing, and we can apply them to another area that seems completely disconnected, like real estate. And um, it was just an honor to have him and, and great challenges in there for us. As he said some things, I was thinking about our business and going, okay, now it's, now it's on us to take some Certainly. action, right? And um, so anytime we can have those moments of clarity for ourselves, like as we're doing these podcasts, and I get at least one every conversation, um, it can be really powerful and impactful for me personally. And I hope it, uh, it does the same thing for you guys as you listen. Yeah, totally. He grew us today. He's going to grow you, Brian Miller. Brian Miller, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset podcast. Uh, incredible um, experience for us to have you. We're excited to, to connect with you. We've learned so much about you from some of our past guests who introduced us to you. And then as we've been getting to know you, and kind of your business in the music and real estate and kind of blowing our mind a little bit as far as kind of what you've done. So tell us a little bit about you, where you're at, kind of what you have going on. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me, uh, John and Jamie. It's great, great to be here. I love having conversations with uh, like-minded people. I found that uh, one of the, I think the reasons I was successful is I was kind of doing some um, contemplating here about this was I thought like, what, what was the difference? Why did I come out and, and make this work and 25 years later still here and now crushing it? Um, and a lot of people I met on their way back to my hometown, right? They had been out for a month or two months to the big city of LA or you know maybe six months and they were all on their return trip. But I think just taking the time to interview those guys to ask like, hey, what went well? What didn't go well? I think that whole thing, we can talk a little bit more about it, but being a learner. But um, over the course of that time, I developed a career doing music for television and film projects. 
um, which has been great. I always wanted to make a living doing something I loved. I grew up actually doing construction with my dad from the time I was six years old and digging ditches and uh, pounding 16 penny nails. And uh, about the time I was seven, I realized this, this may not be a long-term <laughs> career for me. Um, so um, just the chance to be able to do that. But it's really about not only following passion, but being smart about that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, when they talk about following their passion, they want to like only do exactly what they want to do when they want to do it for only who they want to do it. And it's like, yeah, you get those opportunities, but there's a lot of other fill time around that, right? That sometimes you're like building to that point of having that incredible gig or somebody of a, na a national status that's actually trusting you. But to get there, you had to prove yourself. You had to basically kiss a lot of frogs, right? You had to put a lot of dues in so that you were in a position to be able to succeed. So a lot of people just like, hey, like Spielberg didn't call and offer me the lead role. It's like, well, dude, like you start, you know, like be an extra, write a script, do learn this part of the craft, learn how to edit, like do, you know, there's a lot of different points to that instead of waiting around for the phone to ring and thinking someone's going to discover you, you have to basically go out there, let the world know you're available. What kind of problems can you solve for them? Right. They don't hire you because they think you're cool. They hire you because they have a problem and they want you to solve the problem. Now, if you happen to be cool that, and there's 10 people, they might choose the cool guy in that, but it's only because he can solve the problem and he's cool. It's not just because he's cool, because at the end of the day, like, he'll be unemployed in a couple of weeks and they'll be looking for someone else. So how do you, how do you manage that? Do this thing that is my passion and I love it. And I, and it might be my escape at times, but it's also my business and my livelihood and the livelihood of my family kind of rests on this. How do you balance this? Like I do this because I love it but it's also. Right. Um, I just, it's sort of like uh, ice cream's really good, but you add chocolate sauce, it's even better, right? Um, you, it, it's part of like, hey, you get to write music and some days you get to write it for a really cool project that you get to show everybody. And some days you write it for a project and you're like, okay, we'll just build that one and that one won't go on the internet, right? It's just all part of it. But I think um, just knowing that it, um, again, it's sort of what I was talking about is like, not every situation is perfectly ideal or going to be the Instagram worthy, like this is my moment. There will be those moments you want to promote those, but there's other times where it's like, okay, this is, this is good. But part of that is like, hey, this allows me to earn a living. This allows me to support my family. This allows me to, to basically um, create more capital than I need for my living expenses. So then therefore I can invest that. And then that's kind of how the started the whole investing journey as well. That's an interesting question for us because clearly you've been successful in music and, and you've created an opportunity to do the investment side. How do you, like those two things don't seem to match up. You know, music is this, and well, especially they do. composing. They, I mean, they do now that we know he's a construction guy at heart. Yeah, there you go. it does there make you go. sense now. It's in the bones. It does make sense. <laughs> but uh, a long time ago, a friend of mine, because I'm freelance, right? He's like, I could never do the freelance journey. I could just never do it. He's like, how do you do it? I'm like, it's called hunger. You know, it's like, you know, when you're hungry and it's like, I, I, I need to feel a meal, like that kind of thing drove me. Like this is what I needed to do. Other people will be in a job and they'll allow the boss or the company policies to force them to go to work 40 hours a week. Right. It's, it's sort of like, if we talk about mindset, it's the mindset of like, why are you not valuable enough to put 40 hours in for your own future? right? A lot of people, they'll put the 40 or the 60 hours in, they're doing it for someone else because they're being forced to do it. But that shift in mindset is like, 
why not do that for me? Or if I'm putting 40 in for somebody else, why not put 20 in for myself, for my side hustle, for, you know, building something, for writing an ebook, figuring out how to do, you know, some passive income online, like just educating yourself. It's, it's sort of up to you, right? And I think a lot of people are waiting for other people to call them or to, to basically present this perfectly wrapped up bow of, of opportunity and opportunities never like that. My first job in Hollywood, I got paid 75 bucks and it took me three days to do the job, right? So like three eight hour days, right? And you do the math on that. You're like, okay, maybe I cleared three bucks an hour, right? But what I did was I actually ended up with a piece of footage that I could show someone else. This is what I do. Cause I didn't want to, like if you deliver $75 worth of value, right? And I was just like, here's a piece of, cause I gave them like $500 worth of value or more, right? So like anybody can give $75 of value for 75 bucks. That's kind of a fair exchange. But if you can give more than that, that gives you the ability that they're going to come back to you, right? So that's, that's how you start. You basically over deliver for what you're getting compensated for. And eventually it gives you the right to charge them more money or brings you to the attention of people that actually have bigger budgets. And they're like, well, this guy crushed it over here. Let's trust him with our project. And I love that the statement you said, it's up to you. I mean, I think that is, I mean, we were talking about kind of Midwest values and kind of getting sometimes stuck in a, in a lifestyle, but when it comes down to it, it's up to you to make that life that you want, but sometimes it's going to take risks. So tell us a little bit about how you've taken some risks, you know, and stepping out, whether it was the real estate or, you know, you kind of said over, over deliver and then see what happens. You never know who's going to be wanting and paying, willing to pay for your services. Right. Um, I think the big thing is, so I naturally like some degree of risk. I like to actually really know what I'm doing to try to minimize the downside in that risk, but there is risk in what I do. But what you have to realize is there's risk in not doing anything, right? There's a risk in ending up 75 years old and broke, right? And you won't realize that until you're 75 years old and broke and you're like, oh crap, like what am I gonna go do? Like get a job at McDonald's now? Like, like what do you, you know, it's like a little late to plan, right? But there's risk in doing nothing. Right. There's risk in like living off of debt. There's risk in like over like, spending more than you make. Right. And a lot of times the it doesn't show up. Right. It doesn't show up that it's risky because you kind of kick the can down the road. It's the United States of America. What's another trillion on the on the balance sheet? It does. You know, who cares? Right. Well, eventually, when you can't pay the interest on the national debt, it's like, oh, wait, now we got to, You know, we got to tax people like, you know, I don't know whatever, if, if it's four, four trillion a year, and then, oh, and we can't provide any services with that, but we're able to make our debt service payment, right? It's, it's the same type of thinking, right? Of like paying later, where like, I would just encourage people, like, think about it, it's your life, right? You're gonna end up at 75 if you're lucky, right? If you're not, well, but most likely you're gonna end up at 75. What do you wanna be at 75 or 65 or 55 or 45, right? And the decisions you make today are gonna determine where you're at when you're 45, right? Or 35 or, or 25, right? Because you're, if you're 15 years old, you're thinking, ah, I got a lot of time. It doesn't really matter what I do. It's like, well, 20's coming, 25's coming, 30's coming. What kind of career are you setting yourself up for? What kind of skills do you have? What kind of problems can you solve that people are willing to pay you for, right? So um, it's, it's all about like, take, uh, risk is part of it, but the main, uh, main point I want to make is there's a lot of risk in doing nothing. And people think, oh, I'm doing nothing. It's not risky. I never bought a house. I never took that risk. Well, you're risking ending up 
older in life and broke, right? And that's a, that's a costly risk, right? But you don't, you don't usually calculate that into the formula. So you talk about this, you're essentially paying it forward to yourself in some ways. Can you take the long view? Can you take this long vision? But the hard part is oftentimes that first step, you know, and in investment, in composing, I would imagine in music that where you start often ends up dictating where you end. So how do you take that first step when there's not a lot of clarity about it? Or I think this is an, even a more interesting question when there's maybe two or three or five really great options and you have, you might get stuck in the, which one's better or trying to have a perfect fit. How do you, how do you personally go into taking that first step when there's maybe a lot of really good choices here? You know, that's, that's a difficult question. I think a very personal question. Um, Sorry, can you tell me the first part of your question? Because I had an answer for you. Sure. I, I was just saying, oftentimes we get stuck on what's the first step for us, okay, you know, right, right. because there's a lot of things that I might say, I'm, I'm I'm not in, I don't feel great about this thing, but I do feel that all these three other options are good. So like we might, we right. might be able to trim it down to, to three, but going beyond that gets hard. Sure. So that's a great question. Um, and easy, it's sometimes easy to get stuck, but one thing that I did was like modeling people, right? And sometimes you don't know where a road's gonna go, but I was able to see people down the road and then say like, okay, that they got to a pretty nice place. Like I worked for a composer early on and he was about my age and he was making six figures a year and I was making one or two figures a year. <laughs> and so instead of that being like, oh, life's not fair, why do they get to do that? I, it's like, what do they know that I don't know, right? Because I knew I, I had the music side down, but I didn't have the business side down. I didn't know how to basically capitalize on my skills, right, in order to do that. So looking at people that are maybe down the road five years or 10 years, and I think the thing is, everybody's looking for this like mentor relationship, and they can come in very small things. I, I could be like, Hey, hey, Jamie, like, well, wh what's the deal? How's your podcast? What are you experiencing from that? Now that you've been doing it a while, what are, what's the net benefit? Because I don't have to spend four years doing a podcast. I can, I can, in one conversation, you can tell me like, hey, this is what I, we're learning. This is why we're doing it. This is what we're crushing it. These are opportunities we never knew we were going to get when we started it. These are the cool people we get to interact with that we never thought, right? And so instead of spending four years to find out if it's worth it, like talk to you guys, right? Or a person who's having a podcast. Same thing in business. If a, a guy in real estate, like talk to the guys who are successful or, or the guy that's taking his family for a vacation for a month in Europe, you go like, maybe I should talk to that guy. Like, what are you doing? And maybe he's going to give you 30 seconds of time. And he goes like, oh, well, I did this and this and this. And that can inspire you because then you know there's success down that road. Now you just have to travel down that road. But I would say, as you look at those different options, look at, Again, we're talking about a little bit of the long view, like look down the road, like a year, two years, five years, 10 years, because there's some people that are crushing it, but that might be a really limited window to you know, their success. So I think by looking toward the future, even finding people slightly ahead of you and just, you know, people, people will respond, like ask them a question. Like maybe they're not gonna guide you by the hand, you know, and spend an hour with you every week. Like that's probably unrealistic. But, you know, sometimes two or three like, sentences have altered my trajectory. I had lunch with a guy and I was like, how do, we, how do I do this business? He's like, well, you got to find a producer who believes in you, who's willing to fight for you and bring you on to a project. It's like, okay, 
that saved me a lot of time because it's like, here's what I got to do, right? Here's the objective. Now I know what my mission is. Now you still have to go do your mission, but knowing that can save you a ton of time in terms of, of uh, pursuing a, an option. Such good advice because I think we think it has to be this mentor-mentee relationship. And you said it, it can come in little chunks. It can come in little bits. And that's been the greatest part of the podcast for us. You know, you said, what are the, like our takeaways are, we get to have these conversations with people that are doing it, right? And, and it's this thing that is inspiring to us. And that's what we hope to give to the audience. Those of you listening, like take some, take these things, take these little nuggets and these chunks of information that, you know, you might not be, might be in your earbuds as you're doing the lawn, you know, you're mowing the lawn and right. you pick up on something. Okay. That's a piece of advice. That's a piece of wisdom from somebody that's earned it. It's hard won. And, and so I, I just think that's such meaningful stuff that you're giving us. And it, it leads me to my next question because you're in a lot of things. You, you said you have 72 streams of income. That blows my mind. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> number two, how do you focus enough or have the time? Cause that's what people, when you hear 72 streams of income, how do you have the time? How do you have the energy? How do you have the focus? Right. Like, so if somebody's looking for passive income or income streams to generate, to take the next step in their financial journey or to take the next step in a journey that is, I'm going to just try something. What's sure. some advice you've learned? What is some stuff you've had? Cause you're farther down the road on this than we are. Sure. Well, I would say number one, it's, it started with one stream, right? And then it went to two streams and then three streams. And uh, the thing is when you go from one streams to two streams, you just like, that's a hundred percent increase in your, in your streams, right? So early on, you can get a lot of traction real, real easily. But I think, well, one is like, I've really, one of the lessons I've learned is really partnering with super smart, super sophisticated and super experienced partners, right? And when I violated that, I've ended up with a lot of work on my end and, and more stress and more problem solving, right? Uh, but at, even as a passive partner, because if there's something goes wrong, you have to help it help right the ship or it's going to go down, right? So, but the more experienced, um, just really like people that have been become experts in their field, like if some guy's been doing self-storage for 20 years, I invested with him, right? And basically my trauma in this investment was they would send me a check and I would be like, which account do I have to mail this into? Right. That, that was the toughest thing about that whole investment. And I made 30% annualized return for six years. Right. So again, but had I partnered with somebody who didn't know what they were doing, it was their first deal or what, there would have been a lot more trouble and grief and why is this not doing what it's supposed to. But I let that guy learn all his lessons first. Right. And then, then I partnered with them, right? As opposed to, you, you, you don't want to be the guinea pig, right? You don't want to be the experiment. Like, is this going to work? Is that going to work? So especially as you're trusting your money kind of blindly and you're investing capital in, in different partners. So, but that, that applies to a lot of things. Like a business that you start, like, you're like, well, this guy would want to do it. And that's, therefore, I should do it with him. Well, like, what do you know about his background? Have you read it, run his credit report? Like, does he have any lawsuits? Does he, you know, how many ex-wives are chasing him, right? Like, what do you know about this guy, right? And a lot of people start businesses and like, partnerships are horrible. It's like, well, all those signs about the scumbag guy that you 
partnered with were there before. And uh, hey, I'm speaking to myself here. I've had a few of these too, right? Yeah. That later when I do the whole background check, I'm like, oh, he's not paying child support. No, oh, interesting. Why, why do I think he's going to pay me? <laughs> right. It's like, if he's not paying for his kids, like this is like, this is not ideal. Right. But those things are out there. So I think learning to really heavily vet oper opportunities, um, learning discernment, again, partnering with people like years ahead of me, people that are Wharton grads that are like vetting deals, you know, not depending for a long time. I was like the solo guy. It was like me and my world. And the more that I've branched out and learned to depend on people, get people's opinions, talk, you know, send stuff to really smart people. Would you do this deal? Why or why not? They might say, no, they wouldn't, but I can gauge, okay, I can take this level of risk or I'm different, but I still want to hear their opinions, carefully calculate those and then proceed. I'm going to go back to something you said before, where you, originally you said, you know, okay, why are you not investing 40 hours in your own thing? right? Or 20 hours or 10 hours. Sure. And, I, and I think that's a really important part to, to keep in mind here, because as I, even just for me, as I'm listening to you, it's like, it's a little bit overwhelming, <laughs> right? But at the same time, it's okay, how do I invest? If, if you want to get into investments, and you aren't currently, learn about it, ask people, you know, spend five or 10 or, you know, six hours a week, and read about it and learn and take a class, whatever. And this is a little bit what we're doing right now. You know, we're working on writing a book. Neither one of us has written a book. We've written a lot of things, but not a book. It's a different process. And so we've started to invest time in ourselves by, and we're doing the same thing that you kind of said, like seek people out that have just either recently done it or have done it and been successful. Sure. Ask them questions. And it's been incredibly helpful, but so often and I think, especially as guys, and I'll speak for myself, but there's an ego part of it that's like, no, I have to figure it out. I can figure it out on my own. I'm just going to push through this thing. So I think it's, it's being willing to humble yourself enough to say, I don't know. Right. The, the reality is you can figure it out for yourself. But how, how long is that going to take you? And what's that going to cost you? Right. In order to be right or feel good about yourself. Right. I think when you kind of start to remove that, like, like, hey, if a YouTube video will show me how to do something in, in you know, three and a half minutes that, that saved me three and a half hours, right? Or, you know, saved me a $300 service call because, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, you just do this. Okay, now I get it. It's easy, right? But there are clues out there. So I think paying attention to those and, and saying, like, how can I shorten this, this journey, right? If you talk to guys who have had big selling books or... You know, they're going to tell you like, oh, here's how we got it printed. Here's how we got people to do the drop ship fulfillment. So we did, we weren't mail, you know, folding up packages and writing addresses on them in the middle of the night, right? How do we do that? Because they've been through the process. Maybe they've been through three different vendors. Now they found one that's great. You can start with the one that's great just by asking and opening that door. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very humbling in, in reality. Like choosing to take a step is hard because you know that something's going to hit you in the face eventually. Like, but that moment is incredible learning. It's this incredible opportunity. And what you're saying, and I, I'm going to paraphrase here and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but don't go through all of the learning by yourself. It's okay to do some of the learning by yourself, but don't experience all of the shots in the face, right? <laughs> Let learn from other people who have done it before. It's, it's the same thing as like hiring someone to mow your lawn, 
Like you can go mow your own lawn and you can have a lot of pride in it and it can look amazing, right? Or you can hire somebody for 60 bucks a month and they get it done and you go, well, that just freed me up from like, you know, like if it's, if you took you three hours a week, that's 12 hours of your life that you're trading for 60 bucks. And you're like, okay, I paid four bucks an hour for that. Or you'd be one of those guys that's too busy to write the book and too busy to start your side hustle and too busy to do this, but dang, you sure got a great looking lawn, right? It's like, figure out ways to shorten the process, figure out a way, like people say, like you guys were saying, like, how are you doing all these different things? And, you know, if I look at my team now, you know, not all the, like, there's a couple of people that are more on, on a, on a regular basis and full-time basis, but there's a lot of times it's like, here's this expert that I need. And I, when I need that, I call him, right? Like I could play guitar on all my stuff and it would be mediocre at best, or I can, I, like, I can basically send an email. Here's a track with guitar. Here's a track without scratch guitar, right? Send it back to me. And then a day later it comes back and it's brilliant and it's amazing. And it, he spent like 12 hours on it or eight hours on it. It's, it sounds, it's way better than I could do it. Now I could have the ego of, I, it, I want it to be my thing. Right. Sure. But ultimately your thing is what you put together, right? You're judged on that. And the, the rest of it is a little bit of ego. So I think getting the ego out of the way is, is an important thing to realize. It's like, it doesn't really matter what parts of the steps you um, are involved with. What matters is that you basically get to where you need to get. And if it involves a lot of different people to help you get there, it's just going to speed up your process. You find that it's better, like not just that the end product is better, but the experience for you is better because you get to collaborate because you get to enjoy, like, I'm sure there are headaches, right? I'm sure there are times where somebody doesn't do their, their part, but do you enjoy it more because other people are involved? I really do. There's a certain thing about like, kind of like, um, just being successful and being like lonely, right? At that, at old age, right? Like I'm, here's my empire I built, right? Or is it, would it be better to be like, here's the empire I built and here's my friends coming over to enjoy and we're going to Cabo with these friends and we're going to this, right? That's the life that I'm trying to like help to design, right? And you know, when you get to do those stuff, it's like, we just went on vacation to Cancun, right? It would have been great to go with my family. We went with my family and a, one of my best friend's families, right? We had, we had a killer time. We had a better time than if we had gone by our own, by ourselves, right? And also we got this whole shared experience and we got to do a lot of things. And, you know, honestly, my kids probably behaved a little better that there were other kids they knew there. Right. So there's all kinds of benefits. Right. So but, but yeah, sharing life and sharing experiences, it, it adds to a richness and not just being so kind of I think that protectionistic. I understand that because, you know, I've, I've had to fight against that. But like this, this is mine and this is my world. I'm not letting anyone in here. I'm going to protect all my little eggs. It's. It's uh, ultimately, I think it's limiting, right? It's, it's better. Like I'm having a great time with you guys. I could go start my own podcast, but this is, this is funner than doing my own podcast, right? And uh, as a result, like there's lots of benefits, right? So I could think, oh, I'm going to do it my, oh, oh, my own thing. I only want my own fans to listen. I want, it's like, no, we're partnering together to put some content out there that's going to create value. You're asking me questions that I probably would not have thought of my own, right? So like together we're making something that individually, if each of us was just like talking for 30 minutes, it would not be near as interesting or valuable. For sure. Not. I'm not that interesting, but we, we are about community, you know, like to us, this, that answer is community and I love it. And, and sorry, I cut you off, John. So go ahead and ask. Oh, I was going there too, Jamie uh, in that. So 
you know, one of the things that really strikes me about you too, Brian, is, is the, okay, you have the investing, you have the composing business, the music business, but then you also have time to do a lot of charity work and you give back and you teach people and you grow people. And I think, you know, you've been able to do that. I think in part because of what you said before is you've been intentional, which is something we talk a lot about is how do you be intentional with your life and choosing the things that are priorities for you. Right. And it's not mowing the lawn. It's paying someone because I want to do something else with my life. And so tell us a little bit about how, how do you juggle all of those things? And, and I, I really wanted to get to the community part where you are giving back and, and growing other people and, and giving of your time in that way. Sure. Well, I would say I'm still learning and growing. I'm still getting better at it. Like this year, one of my goals is to do more time blocking on a calendar. I've, I've done great for years. I got all these pages of goals and stuff, right? And, and when I look back, hey, a lot of them I've been able to accomplish and then I'm resetting new ones. So like just tracking things on paper, studying that regularly. Oh yeah, this is what I said was important to me. But even more, like one of my goals is like, take each of my kids on a, like a daddy daughter date, dad or daddy son date. Right. And when it's on the list, even if I see it, that's one thing. It's another thing to be like, okay, Thursday at five, right. How am I going to get these in this month? Okay. It's gotta be this one. And it's gotta be this one. And like, same thing, taking my wife out. Well, it's a good thing. And sometimes we get around to it, but it's much better to be like, okay, Monday night at seven, that's our time. We're going, you know, and try to really protect that. Um, but I think that's, that's the part of being intentional. And then as far as giving back, like, I love sharing my experience. I was on the phone with a friend last night. He wants to buy this deal. He doesn't know quite how to do it. If it's going to make sense, what are the risks in it? And we just talk through it. You know, we're, we're great friends and it's helping him. He's, he's not along as far along on his investing journey. Um, so it's, a, it's just a way of bringing him up to speed. I'm trying to help my nephew get into real estate. Um, and so you, you encourage him and send him articles um, but you know, part of doing these is like sharing my story because I think in the same way I was talking earlier about looking for people that are, are have done it, like to, to listen and say, okay, well, it could start with one and grow to two. And then if you make some really smart decisions, then it's going to grow to a, and because the, the reality is that my income streams one through 10, that income helped me get 11 through 20. Right. So if you don't get started, you don't know that. Right. And so if you look down the road and you go, oh, wow, this is possible, like somebody maybe didn't have a goal to do that. Maybe they had a goal to get two streams or one stream, right? But then they're like, well, I could throw that on my list, like like get double the streams of passive income I have or set up an investment to start earning passive income or learn about passive income or interview somebody that I know that is doing passive income, right? There's a, there's a lot of people that are willing to give back. And I think, again, it's sort of like the man not asking for directions. It's like, ask for directions. You're going to get there faster. And, uh, you know, your life, your wife will be less annoyed with you as you drive around in circles. Yeah. It's going to be a lot less friction in the end. Right. And I just think like we, you know, we sent you a question that said habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. That's the James clear quote. And like, we think about compounded interest as money, right. But it's not just money as a musician, you know, and, and you said it, like, I think when we, I have the picture of a composer, I think of this very solitary profession where you're kind of locked in a room and you have your piano or your guitar and you're just doing this thing. And yet you've said, no, that's not the way that I want to do this thing, but becoming a musician, becoming someone that is good at investment. Like there's a lot of compounded behaviors that contribute 
to that reality. What are some of those that you've looked back on and said, this thing took a long time and it was because of this. So to kind of talk about um, just what you're talking about. So I used to play piano like at, at parties and just stuff as I was like, you know, coming along the way, another way to make some, some money at Christmas. Right. And people would come up and I remember this one lady came up to me and she goes, I would give anything to play the piano like you. And <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, no, you wouldn't. And she's lying. Right. Cause what I had to do to play piano is like, it's like practice an hour a day for 10 years, right? Study, take some lessons, right? Get better. She could do that. Right. So she's saying I would give anything. The, the reality is no, she wouldn't. Right. Cause what it would, what does she have to give some discipline, some focus? I think a lot of people think like music is this just like, you know, God given ability and you just sit down yes, and you're sure. amazing at it. Right. <laughs> and I met a lot of friends like that and they didn't go as far as I did. Because I think learning that you have to work at it and learning that you have to get better and keep improving and keep improving, that helped me to keep going and go farther than if I had just sat down and be like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's easy. Because it may be easy and natural at first, but in order to succeed at anything, you really have to like focus and, and incremental improvement. And that's kind of what we're talking about. I'm a big believer in compound interest. Like, like just take like, whatever your net worth is now and say like, if I could grow that 10 year or 10% a year over 30 years, go plug that in a compounding interest calculator. And it, it, you'll be like, holy moly, that's cool. Right. <laughs> Cause it, it, it's powerful, especially over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, four years. Right. So when you realize that, but the same principle actually applies to health. Right. So like you think about compounding, well, a lot of people are not, succeeding because kind of like investing if you make a three percent improvement in your health right and then maybe you have a bad year and so you kind of like get depressed and start binging on french fries all the time and then you take a, a minus six percent that year and then you're going to do another plus four the next year and you're going to walk occasionally and then you're going to have a good two weeks and a bad two weeks right you're probably not going to go very far right um but that same thing if, if you make like a one or two or 3% improvement in your health in a month. And then the next, like, Hey, I'm going to cut out like, like carbs. I'm not going to eat any um, chips with canola oil. I'm not going to right. And then the next month it's like, Oh, and now I'm going to add in more green leafy vegetables. Right. And you just keep doing those things. Your health is going to keep actually your body. It's amazing the way God designed us. Right. It's going to actually start to heal itself and you're going to get rid of like, like people can get rid of chronic pain. They can get off all these medications um, there's a great movie, I think fat, sick and nearly dead, you know, guy just like starts juicing and changes his life. Right. But he's changing the input. Right. And then that was a compounding interest. Like he wasn't really moving much when he was like super overweight and on like, I don't know, 12, 14, 16 medications. Right. But that compounding interest of doing something healthy for himself. And then he could start to walk around the block and then he walked around the block two times, then, you know, eventually start to jog and, you know, it's all these things. There's a big compounding. I think it, I think it's so relatable, like your habits that you form when you form a certain habit that you could, like, there's a thing called habit stacking, right? You, so you build yeah. habit on top of habit, right? As opposed to just always having to reinvent the wheel. And I see it with health. I see it with finances, relationships, same thing. Like if you keep making deposits into your friendships and you're giving back a lot when you need something, Hey, you know, listen, hey, you, you've, you've kind of built up a balance, right? And it's a beautiful thing, but a lot of people are living in that negative side too, right? Where 
maybe their health is going down just a little bit every year, or I'm just like, it's just, you know, I'm just putting a thousand dollars extra on the credit card bill every year. It's that same power that's going to drag you to basically like a, a real, like either bankruptcy or a really scary place financially, even though it's just a little bit incrementally, but over time, like same thing with health, just a little bit, like a couple extra French fries, a couple extra calories. Like it doesn't seem like much, uh, but over the course of time, you're going to end up with some major health issues. Right. Um, and it's just, I think it's a really powerful concept to realize that what we do compounds. Right. And so if we make positive choices, we're going to compound on that. And the same thing true in the negative. So, ah, man, again, my head's spinning. It's good stuff. And it's, it's, it really is simple. It's just not that easy. You know, it's, it's, it's simple to say what we do, the choices we make today impact tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Uh, it's just not always that easy, but it's a good reminder and, and I love it. So Brian, what, you know, if, if for our listeners out there that are thinking, okay, I'm ready. Brian has inspired me. I'm ready to go. I want to take a step. What are some resources or places for them to even start if it's investing um, or, or anything along those lines? Sure. Well, one would be to go to our website called Capital Stack Investments. So www.capitalstackinvestments.com. Uh, you can fill out a form there. We have a, a ebook and um, it started as 50 lessons from 50 deals, but now I think it's going to be closer to 500 lessons from 50 deals. So <laughs> every time you do a deal, like you learn from that, right? And sometimes you learn like, I would say more painful lessons. And sometimes you're like, wow, that was really smart. Like in, in writing the book, basically one of my first investment properties would be, it was basically, I haven't made a ton of cash flow. It's just been kind of like, okay, it's kind of breaking even. But then when I look over the course of time, it's like, oh, well, one is I was able to pull my down payment back out. So I have zero money into it. And now it's like worth 192K and I have 60K of debt on it. So it's like, oh, wow. So there's 130K of equity there, right? On, on kind of like not really a, a life-changing deal, but over the course of time, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And then it's actually, I don't know, six years away from getting paid off. So at that point, then cash flow will really start kicking in. Um, but just like looking at those and studying. So I think learning, so that's a great resource. There's so many great resources out there. Like I, be, I become a fan of uh, Graham Stephan and... Uh, and meet Kevin, you know, these are like 20 year old kids who are like, I would have learned a ton if, if, you know, if they were available at that point in my life, but you know, like meet Kevin's, he's like, here's my $20 million stock portfolio and how it went up last year. It's like, one is, I think maybe it's the millennial thing, but it's like, there's not this taboo of, I can't talk about my income or, you know, and it's just like, okay, well, uh, I have $6 million in Tesla stock. And, you know, it's like, okay, it's kind of cool to kind of pull that veil back and here you can see a guy doing it. It's like, he'll show you what's working. He'll show you what's not working. Um, so those kind of resources, I mean, Bigger Pockets is an amazing website with all kinds of information. They built an amazing community of investors. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff out there. There's a, and YouTube, I mean, it's sort of like, there's enough information that you can figure out the information. There's also a great book, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, Gary Keller, who runs Keller Williams Real Estate amazing book. It was a life-changing book for me because it sort of set up the model. Here's people who did it for 20 years. Here's what happened, right? And so again, I didn't have to spend 20 years going, is this going to work or is, I don't know, right? And have all that uncertainty because we didn't really talk about this, but uncertainty 
right? And risk is what leads to inaction. So often, like not having enough information or knowledge, then we, we basically go to like indecision. And there's some really interesting stories, the, uh, studies. There's a study about, um, I think it's they're selling jellies in a supermarket, right? And when they had six jellies, they sold a ton of jellies. Then they expanded to like 22 jellies and they sold like not like a fourth as, as many, right? Because people were overwhelmed with 21. What do I do? What do I do? Right? So part of that is like not get over consumed with that. It's like pick a lane, pick a guy to model, start out. You can always correct later. But I think like that education and having some knowledge, like find somebody in your community. Like if, if you... If you go to church, if you're like in the YMCA, if you like any kind of organization, if you find some older guys that, you know, like you can ask them like, hey, what do you what do you do? And what's your investing world look like? Now you've started a conversation. Most people would love to talk about this, especially if they've been successful. I mean, I, I think if you have 10 of those conversations, you'll find three guys that will be sharing like this is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. Now, all of a sudden, you maybe it's not this official mentor relationship, but maybe you can call. Them. I got a deal. What do you think? Should I move forward or not? Now you have somebody with 20 years experience giving you input, which takes away from this uncertainty, which is what causes a lot of people to just sit there and do nothing. Thank you for your humility in being willing to give. I think that's a huge part of this thing because it, it requires humility to ask the questions in the first place, to say, I don't have all the answers, right? And to say, I, I need to know and somebody else knows better than I do. And, and I think in giving it, you are looking in the same way for those conversations to lead you. You know, when the second you open the door to have those conversations, you're saying somebody else can lead me too. So thank you for your humility. Thank you for the advice you brought here. Cause I think it's going to be really valuable to the people that are listening. Um, so grateful for, for you to come and join us. Is there some way beyond the website that we can engage with your work or uh, follow you something like that? Um, you can go to LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Brian E. Miller, Brian with a Y, Brian E. Miller, connect with me there. We post different things about what we're doing. Um, but it's Instagram, like uh, maybe go sign up on capital stack and then uh, we can touch base and then we'll get you to the LinkedIn. You can find out other stuff. Oh, my music website, brianemiller.com. So you can find out work that I've done as a composer and, and that, but it's just been, it's been a fun journey, but I think you kind of hit it on the head, like being willing to be humble, but to basically to ask questions, to seek advice. If I look back, that has been one of the biggest things that allowed me to um, basically, you know, become successful was by, by really learning from successful people and putting that into place. And I wanted to say too, you were talking about the mentor thing, like the mentor that had the biggest effect on me, I had one 60 second conversation with in my whole life. And that's Jim Rohn. He was the author and speaker. I get to meet him one time for like a few seconds, right? But like his wisdom and the everything that he learned that he passed on, I spent hours just listening and digesting that. So you don't even have to like, you know, you can, you can through books, through videos. I mean, there's so much stuff on YouTube. Like the, the problem now is not a lack of knowledge, but get enough knowledge. But then you also have to at some point just like, okay, I'm a, I, I took in a lot of wisdom. I got advice and counsel. These three smart people say like, hey, if I was you, I'd move ahead. Move ahead. You just got to pull the trigger too. It came full circle. I mean, it, 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 it's up to you, right? The information is there. The opportunities are there. It's up to you to go and seek it out, ask questions, keep learning. 
Brian, thanks for joining us. Uh, certainly appreciate your time today. John and Jamie, you guys are super fun. I super enjoyed it and um, looking forward. I listened to a couple of your podcasts already. I think what you're doing to put out great information, you know, like I said, there's, if you're a 17 year old kid and you're listening, keep listening and then learn how to apply. Appreciate it. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Thanks again to Brian for joining us. Uh, incredible wisdom and cool stuff. Check out his website. We'll have all of the links that he mentioned to his PDF, his, his website, his connections in our show notes. So go check that out. While you are at it, don't forget, we have a YouTube channel. It's Eyes Up Mindset. This video will be there. You'll, see, you'll get to see Jamie pointing at his sweatshirt. Uh, we have a, an apparel line on our website, which is eyesupmindset.com. We'd love to have you support us as we continue to give content to people. Um, and hopefully you're growing and stretching just like we are every day. And uh, that's one way that you can help support us and, and help grow our community and grow, grow each other. So, Jamie, this episode, a lot in there as we say every single week, which is crazy, but wrap it up for us. What's, what's the takeaway if I'm, if I'm listening to this and whether I want to be an investor or not, what am I getting from this? I think the thing is what you ended with. It's up to us, you know, and, and Brian challenged us with that. It's that it's up to us to take a step. And we say that, take a step, do the thing, but what causes an action? It's an uncertainty. It's an unwillingness to understand where our blind spots are. So ask, ask questions and then understand. And this might be the hardest part about this is understanding that it might take time. And that when you look back in the long term, that compounded interest will have worked for you and it will be a huge return. But that first step, none of that's there yet. So it's on you. And as always, live eyes up.